0: So, uh, could, you've heard this a few times this morning. You've heard people say, He is risen. So I'm going to say that, and then you're going to respond. He is risen. He is risen. <laughs> you see, yes, Debbie. Oh, yes, that's so good. I love the energy there. That's good. So this this uh, this call and response thing is actually, it's been a historical practice of the church. This is something that uh, the church for a really long time, all throughout history, has done. They've done this call and response. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And You might go... Why in the world do people do that? Because, you know, Christians sometimes do things that not everybody understands. Sometimes even Christians. So uh, So, uh, I think it's fair to, to ask why we do that. Well, um, I want to I think about Jesus' resurrection, because that's why we're here this morning. We're talking about the fact that Jesus is risen. Uh, if this didn't happen, if Jesus did not rise from the dead that we like... Guys, we really shouldn't be here. (laughs) Like, it's it's kind of pointless for us to gather. We can kind of pack up and go do whatever we want. You know, sort of eat, drink, and be merry, that kind of thing. Like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it's kind of pointless that we are here. But the truth is that He did, in fact, rise from the dead. So, uh, so everything—what this means—is that everything that Jesus said about Himself is actually true. Like, uh, uh, though we're sinners. We actually have some ability now To have access to God through Jesus Uh, That we can have forgiveness of sins Uh, That his death on the cross So Jesus died on the cross But then he rose Which tells us that his death on the cross Actually accomplished something Um, And then there are things Jesus said like I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, I am the bread of life. Uh, he has these I am statements. I am the gate. Like, all of these things that he says about himself, they must mean, if Jesus rose from the dead, they must mean that he actually was telling the truth when he spoke of those things. Uh, and then, like, there's the reality that Jesus himself is God. Like, Jesus said as much about himself when he says things like, I have the power to forgive sins. Uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost Jesus came to heal the broken Jesus said, came to, to set the captives free Like, the, if Jesus is alive Then all of those things are actually true And that's why we can celebrate this morning That's the amazing truth So, um, so uh, why is it important that those things are true? Well, uh, to answer that I want to ask you a question that question is this Are you aware of your own brokenness? Are you aware of your own because if Jesus is alive, then, then that has significance for people who are aware of their unbrokenness. Uh, we're going to look at three different stories this morning. Where the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead actually brought overwhelming hope to people who were very aware of their unbrokenness. The hope was only significant because the people actually had an awareness. And so, uh, so I'm going to set the stage for uh, the stories that we're going to be reading. Um, So so Jesus' followers, as they were following him, uh, he was engaging in ministry all through uh, the area, and um, they were hopeful that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. See, they had been given uh, a promise that there was going to be a king who comes, uh, that that he was going to set up his his rule, that he was going to overthrow kind of the governments that people were frustrated with that day. I'm sure nobody can relate to that uh, kind of concept right now, but there are governments that can be frustrating sometimes, but Jesus was going to set up his rule, his good and righteous reign, and so this is what uh, his followers expected. And and then there was this period of time in Jesus' ministry where things were Like Things were were happening He was challenging different authorities Of the day And and his followers actually thought Okay, he's getting ready To set up his reign He's getting ready to rule And, And then In a moment Jesus was arrested And then briefly after that Murdered That happened, so can you imagine Like if you followed Jesus You gave up everything Uh, You saw this guy cast demons out of people. You saw this guy perform miracles. Uh, You saw him actually make the wrong people mad. And because you associated with him, you actually made the wrong people mad as well. Um, You believed every single audacious word that Jesus spoke. You loved him. You invested yourself in his ministry. And you believed that he was going to become king. And then he died. And can you relate to this kind of situation Because this is what the situation was like For each of the stories that we're going to read this morning They're all about people Who had this experience uh, and, and they're all about people Who at the moment that Jesus died they, they recognized the brokenness Of their own situation So the first group of people The first story this morning Is a, a story for the grieving And we start in John 20 verse 11 Verse 11 and we, we hear the story of Mary. So who was Mary? Mary was a, a woman who who was essentially free to follow Jesus. She apparently had some level of status. Uh, we know at one point that uh, the, the Bible says in, in Luke, it says that she was uh, possessed by uh, seven demons, and that caused some kind of infirmity for her, but that Jesus actually cast those demons out, and that he provided healing for her. Uh, and because of this, she started following Jesus. And because of her her status and her means, she actually started supporting Jesus' ministry. Um, And and so her and her family, they developed a really deep relationship with Jesus. And it becomes clear as we read the Gospels that that, uh, Mary loves Jesus deeply. Uh, Jesus visits her house, and and Mary and Martha are in there. Uh, They have this space where they are welcoming the person they know to be the Messiah. And then Martha is like in the kitchen working and then Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, because she knows who Jesus is. She wants to hear his words. And, and she, you can tell by the kind of relationship has, she just has this deep love and appreciation for Jesus. And then, of course, uh, Jesus raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. So this was another experience where Mary, she, she sees Jesus for who he actually is. He performs this amazing thing for her and her family. She vested herself in Entirely into Jesus and his ministry. So can you imagine having this deep of a connection with someone? And then you watch them be murdered in front of them. Because that was Mary's experience. Jesus was arrested, and then then Jesus was murdered, and Mary in a moment lost somebody who was really, really important to her. So I imagine a, a number of you Probably experienced loss Of some kind The loss of a loved one And it's it's really probably not hard For you to remember what that loss Was like So that brings us To our point in the story Because because this is what had happened Mary had lost this really important person This person that she invested everything into Who she thought was going to set up his kingdom And and Mary went to visit Jesus' tomb And he's not there and so this is actually really unsettling for her. His body is not in the tomb. So verse 11 says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she went, she stooped to look into the tomb. So I want to talk about why this is unsettling. In Jewish culture, uh, Judaism had this really uh, rigid view of like what a proper burial looked like. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you uh, see... The Often, like, they focus when when somebody passes away, when somebody important passes away. They always tell you, like, where that person was buried. Because burial is really, really important in the Jewish culture. And so, for Jesus' body to not be where it had just been buried is really unsettling for Mary. And Mary's broken. She's broken and she's in the midst of her grief and her loss. Verse 12 says this. It says, she saw two angels in white. Sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet, they said to her, "Woman, why are you weeping?" She said to them, "They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him." So, uh, two things. First of all, she likely doesn't realize that the angels are angels. Um, she, she, in this moment, probably sees them as as men, and she she's trying to understand what's going. And so the other thing that we see is that she clearly believes, she has no idea that Jesus is raised from the dead, she clearly believes that someone has taken Jesus' body. So can you imagine prepping a loved one for like a funeral, and and everything's prepped at the funeral home, and then you go home, and then uh, a few hours later you get a call saying, oh yeah, we lost your loved one's body. We don't know what happened to it. Like that's it's actually kind of silly, it's kind of ridiculous, but that's the experience that Mary's having. She's like doesn't have any idea where Jesus' body is. And uh, and then something absolutely unthinkable happens. Verse fourteen. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So apparently there's something about this woman, whether it is Mary she is just uh, overwhelmed with grief in the situation or whether there's something physically different about Jesus, we're not really sure but what's clear is that there's something unrecognizable about Jesus in this moment. So Jesus asked her, he said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And Mary, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. So the picture that we're given is that Mary's she's so stricken with grief; she thinks that this person, who the gardener, might have actually taken Jesus's body away. But she's so desperate that she's like, "I don't even care. Just tell me where his body is, so that I can bring it back." And then, and then there's this moment. And I think this moment is actually one of the most beautiful moments in all of Scripture. Because it's like time stops for a brief second. And in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And when he speaks her name, there's something so profound about that to her that that she instantly recognizes him. This is my Lord. This is the one I've been following. And so she turned and said to him, in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher so in this one moment every ounce of grief that is inside of her is replaced with peace because what she knows what she realizes in this moment is that death did not have the final say death has not won a victory here so uh so andrea my wife and i we were actually uh reflecting earlier this week about people who are really close to us that we have lost um and how occasionally we both still have dreams about these people. Uh, like they're there with us. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. It's like in that moment, somehow in that dream, for a brief moment, there's this overwhelming sense of joy. This person that was lost is finally back with you. And, and here's the more, even more amazing truth. Like those loved ones that we lost that we were reflecting on this week, like they knew Jesus. Which means that we actually get the hope of looking forward to, again, being reunited with that one day. But but when Jesus stood there in front of Mary, it, it's like that, that sense of being reunited. In an instant, her grief turned into peace. And, and because of this, we proclaim boldly here today that, that death does not have the final say over us. Like for those who follow Jesus, death does not have a victory. Jesus has in fact defeated death, and though we, we might grieve when we face it, we can have the peace of knowing that it does not have the final victory. And so uh, for the grieving, the resurrection is peace. For the grieving, the resurrection is peace. And so Jesus goes on. So, so Mary has, has this in a moment her grief is turned to peace. And, and in verse 17 Jesus said to her Do not cling to me So apparently she's like So overwhelmed with joy That she leaps up, She grabs him Probably like in a massive hug Because she, she sees him and, she, and Jesus says Don't cling to me For I have not yet Ascended to the Father But go to my brothers Go to the other disciples And say to them I am ascending To my Father And your Father To my God And your God So Mary Magdalene uh, Went and announced To the disciples I have seen you the Lord, and she told them that He had sent these things to her. Okay, so that's our first story, our story about the grieving. Second story is a story for the fearful. Verse 19 says, "On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear." Of the Jews So uh, talked about the disciples a little bit The disciples the reason they followed Jesus Is because they thought he was going to set up his kingdom And and so they actually Expected him to do this And and when the, the Jews Especially the religious leaders When they murdered Jesus It actually uh, scared the disciples a little bit Because they were associated with Jesus And they figured by their association with Jesus That would mean bad things for them Because you know Jesus made a lot of people mad. Earlier that week, in fact, he had walked into the temple and was so furious about the ways that the, the relig- religious elite had taken advantage of the temple space, had, how they were uh, basically, um, you know, swindling people out of their money. They were selling things at, at, at overpriced and. This moment, fear is the brokenness that the disciples are experiencing, and so uh, maybe you can relate. Uh, maybe you could fear what people would think of you if you followed Jesus, if you actually stood up for your convictions, if you uh, followed Jesus, if you believed in him. Uh, maybe you fear what you stand to lose if you follow Jesus. Maybe you fear what what standing for what is right. Could actually, mean for you. Maybe you fear consequences. I don't know if that is a category for you, but but in the midst of their fear, something pretty amazing happens. It goes on in verse 19. It says, Jesus came and stood among them. So, you guys, so how did Jesus get in? Uh, that's really interesting. Apparently, Jesus just appears in the middle of it. Like something amazing happens and Jesus is there with them and he starts having a conversation with them. Hey guys, how's it going? And he says to them, Peace be with you. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So, so he takes this group of, of very fearful people, this Jesus who is dead, but he, he's now alive. He appears in the middle of them. And this is what he does. So, so we can get focused on, okay, if you forgive, then they are forgiven. If, if you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. The point here is that Jesus is giving his disciples power and authority. When he breathes the Holy Spirit on them, he's saying, the authority that I have, I am now handing over to you. So, uh, if I had time, I would read for you stories of of the martyrs who actually like stood up for their faith uh, before awful deaths, deaths which would cause people to be very, very afraid. And what they did is they stood before all of these people who were calling for their deaths, and they boldly proclaimed the truth about who Jesus was with power and authority without fear, and it's all because Jesus is actually alive. So for the fearful, the resurrection is power. For the fearful, the resurrection is power. See, the reason Jesus is overcome death for every fearful follower and then offers the power of the Holy Spirit of God to take up residence inside of you, to actually give you the ability to boldly proclaim things that would at a different point make you fearful. Okay, so that brings us to our final story. Our final story is for the doubting. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So apparently when all the disciples were gathered together, Thomas was not with them when this happened. And so the other disciples, they told him about it. And they said, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So Thomas missed this miraculous appearing. Um, throughout this story, uh, as we look through the rest of this gospel, Thomas actually, he, he's very pragmatic. So he's very practical. He looks, he, he, he relies on the things that he can Perceive, and sometimes Thomas gets a bad rap because we call him Doubting Thomas, and you know we, we say that. But but I hesitate to say that because in a moment here he's going to make one of the most powerful confessions about who Jesus is that exists in all of Scripture. See, Thomas knows something with clarity. He knows that a dead Jesus is not a Jesus worth all. A dead Jesus is not a Jesus worth following. So, So the instant that Jesus was killed, what he knows is that their movement, this movement of people who are following Jesus, their movement became invalid. It became pointless. And so Thomas is like, his brokenness right now is unbelief. He has a hard time seeing how they can recover from this. And so you may be very much like Thomas this morning. You might say, "You know, I can't see this faith. I can't feel this faith. I can't touch this faith. Why in the world would I give my life to?" You see, but then something happened for Thomas that made all of that change in an instant. Verse twenty-six. Eight days later, his disciples were inside. Him. Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he looked to Thomas and he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. So Jesus is like, Oh, hey, Thomas. Fancy meeting you here. See you. <laughs> so you know that, that thing you said? But he thought I didn't hear it But I just happened to be like the all-knowing And all-powerful God. So uh, so yeah Here are the holes in my hands The hole in my sight And in this moment When Thomas he, he sees the risen Jesus in front of him He makes The most powerful confession That could be made about Jesus Verse 28 Thomas answered him mm-hmm. My Lord And my God So let's go back Remember how uh, how we said that Thomas knew something Uh, How how we said that Thomas Knew that a dead Jesus Was not a Jesus worth following Well if Jesus Is actually alive he knows something Very different now He sees Jesus here in front of him He knows that if Jesus is alive He actually can't help but follow Him fully If Jesus is alive, he can't help but worship him, proclaim my Lord and my God in front of him. If Jesus is alive, everything that Jesus said must be true. If Jesus is alive, then he must be the Lord and God over everything. And so for the doubting, the resurrection is certainty. So now you might say, well, you know, Thomas saw Jesus. I haven't seen Jesus. And you can't show me Jesus right now. And so I'm going to, to continue to doubt. You know, Jesus anticipates that. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? He says, Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So uh, we don't have the convenience of Jesus here in physical form. With us right now. And so you might find it hard to believe. That Jesus is actually alive. But I'll tell you something we do have. Uh, we have record of Jesus appearing to over 500 witnesses after his death. Um, and then there were numerous people. Who claimed to have seen the risen Jesus. And, and when they uh, stood in front of people. Who wanted to tell them to recant their faith, recant what they're saying to be true, recant what they've seen. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't say, No, I haven't seen that. You know that multiple people they don't die for something they know is a lie. People don't die for things that they know. Is a lie. And so, so these people, these people who died for their faith, they're people who said, Yes, we have objectively seen the risen Jesus. And they were killed for saying that. There are these people who their faith, and, and we look back and we, we rely on what they tell us to believe that Jesus is actually alive. But here's the thing it's really, really reliable. Jesus, in fact, is alive, but I can't put him here in front of us. I can't put his physical form here. I can't prove to you without a doubt that his, his physical form, that he is he is alive, but uh, I can tell you with certainty that he is. So, so all I can tell you, and this is what Jesus' point is, is it's like there are going to be a bunch of people that can't see me physically. There's... 2,000 years now, of people who could not see Jesus physically, who believe in him, and this is what he's saying, those people who trust him, those people who believe in me, those people who follow me, they are blessed. Okay. So we have have three categories of brokenness. And three different ways that the risen Jesus broke into that brokenness and and enabled people to actually believe, and enabled people to actually follow him. Okay, so what? Uh, I asked this question, so what? Because I've spent uh, several minutes now talking to you, and I figured it'd be helpful for you to have something to walk away with after I finish talking. So, uh, so the writer, uh, when he sums up these stories, uh, the writer is John, the apostle, and this is what he says in verse 30. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So I have a simple question for you. And that question is, what brokenness is your barrier to belief? What brokenness is your barrier to belief? How does Jesus need to meet to show you that he is actually worth following. Maybe it's one of these three things. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. But maybe it's something else. I can tell you that whatever it may be, the risen, living Jesus crosses into every situation of brokenness. And I can tell you there are people in this room this morning who Jesus crossed into their situation of showed them clearly how, how his risen and living self could pull them out of it. Could go into the midst of our circumstances and offer hope. So would you believe in? Him? Would you follow? Him? Would you trust? Him? Church, he is, risen. he is risen. Very good. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that we can celebrate your resurrection this morning. Lord, I thank you that this truth has the power to define our very identities. Lord, the power to give us hope in the midst of a brokenness. And Lord, I pray for anybody who is in the midst of a brokenness this morning, Lord, they don't see clearly how you can step in. Father, I pray that you would show them so clearly you can step in because because the reality is that Jesus is in fact alive and if that is true then it completely changes everything so Lord I thank you for this I pray that you would be glorified in our worship this morning as we take this time to respond and I pray all of this in Jesus